Awesome. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? Wow. Worship was so incredible. Happy Memorial Day weekend. We are in the fourth and final Sunday of our In the Beginning series, and I'm not sure if I'm ready for it to end. There's still so much more that we could talk about. It's been so rich, so deep. Um, and so if you're new this morning and you're like, what's going on? For the month of May, we've been studying the book of Genesis, really just chapters one and two and a little bit of chapter three, and today we're closing it out. Um, and... So if you've missed a Sunday, just real quick recap, week one, we just talked about, we took a look mostly at Genesis 1, and we mostly just talked about how we are created beings. We have a maker, we have a creator, we are not our own. And we, when we truly have awareness of that, it should change everything about how we live. Um, we should look to our creator who knows how we operate best, right? Follow his design. Week two was Mother's Day. We, we zoomed in on day seven which is the day of rest, where God rested, not because he needed to rest. The Lord neither, neither sleeps nor slumbers, but because he was setting up a pattern on earth. Six days you shall work, and on the seventh you shall rest. How God um, made us to the Sabbath is for man, man not for the Sabbath. And so we talked about what does it look like to have rhythms of rest and delight um, in our life and trusting the Lord in that. Last week, Pastor Eric talked about Adam, we kind of zoomed more into Genesis 2, took a look at the creation of Adam. It was so powerful. Talked about Adam's strengths. We're going to kind of hit on a little bit also of what he talked about this morning. But if you missed any of the um, messages, really encourage you to go back, check them out on YouTube or on the podcast. Today we are taking a look at Eve taking a look at the value of Eve, the female gender. Um, and man, so excited to talk about the value that God places on all humanity, including women. And so let's open up in prayer and then we'll dive in. Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you that you are our maker. You are our creator. We are created beings. We are not our own. And God, thank you that you knew what you were doing when you made us. And so Lord, we just ask for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. We ask for light bulb moments as it relates to our design, that you made us humankind in your image, both male and female. And Lord, help us um, have awareness, discernment, wisdom, revelation on this topic. We thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, and so today we're going to spend most of our time in Genesis 2. But before we do, I want to go to the first mention of Eve like we have in the past, which is in Genesis 1.27, just to get a big picture again. Genesis 1.27, um, it's actually the NLT. It says, so God created human beings in his image. He created them male and female. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and, and all the mammals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Can you keep that scripture up just for a little bit more? He, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We're going to get into a little bit of like the original. The Old Testament was written in, in Hebrew, the language of Hebrew. So we're going to talk just a little bit about some of the original Hebrew words that were used and translated because this is just such a simple foundational um, scripture as we locate our identity as the human race, as male and female. 
And so we see here that God created human beings. A lot of translations translate human beings to be man. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. In his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Some translations say him, but actually the them that's highlighted in blue on both of these is actually the same word, but you're going to see in other translations it's him or them, and we're going to iron it out here. But God created the human race, mankind, in his image, and his image is both male and female, which we don't really fully understand. What do you mean when you say that, right? But somehow God created the human race in his image, both male and female. And he blessed them. He told them to have dominion and leadership over his earth. He blessed them. He wanted them to multiply. So big picture, we're going to zoom in a little bit on Eve, but big picture of this whole series is that God created us and we are in his image, both male and female, and he has blessed us and caused us to lead and have dominion over the earth. Last week, Eric did a dive into Adam today, into Eve. And before I get into Eve, I just want to mention for a minute, all throughout Genesis 1 and 2, there's this phrase, man. And as, a, um, as we're studying the topic of Eve or female in Scripture, I just want to clarify a little bit about some of the different uses of man in Genesis 1 and 2, because it can be confusing when you get to the topic of female. You guys going to lean in? We're going to get a little Hebrew nerdy here just for a minute. Um, because there's two different Hebrew words that are used in Genesis 1 and 2 that are translated into English as man. Okay? This scripture that we just read, well, it's not in this one, but most translations of this one say, and God created man. <clears throat> you can take away the scripture now. Thank you. Um, God created man in his own image. There's one Hebrew word, Adam, which is oftentimes translated Adam or man, that sometimes is referring to specifically the person of Adam. But usually in general, if it's in reference to all humankind, the word Adam or man. But then there's another Hebrew word, ish, that's specifically referring only to the male gender. And if you're a guy, if you're a man reading Genesis 1 and 2, this doesn't matter. Because whether it says man or Adam or husband or those are the three main ones, it relates to you. But if you're a female reading this, these two chapters, it matters a lot. Because sometimes even when the word man is being used, it's referring to mankind. So in, it, in, it involves you. You guys tracking? Um, and guys, I'm so excited to talk on this topic because there's been so much confusion and devaluing of women and God's original and, and intention for Eve. And just as I was preparing for this message, just feel like God is like, make sure they know their value. Like, make sure they know that the sky is the limit. I am not withholding from Eve. Amen. Let's just take a look at this for a minute. Um, and so you're like, okay, show me which ones was Adam, which is more general humankind oftentimes, and which one was just specifically the male gender. I just want to show you guys just a couple of different examples here. So the Hebrew word ish, when that one is used, it's translated man, but ish is specifically the male gender. And you see that used for the first time in Genesis 2.23 where it says, and Adam said, now this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of ish, male gender. 
okay? Genesis 2.24, therefore man, ish, specifically the male gender, shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Um, then Genesis 4, later on in Genesis, this is an interesting one. It says, now Adam knew his, oh yeah, this is interesting, but I'm thinking of a different one that's even more interesting. Now Adam knew his wife, knew wife, Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore um, Cain. And she said, I have acqu acquired uh, Ish. I'm a, I'm a woman, but this is a Ish. I have acquired a male, specifically gender. So when she was saying man, she was saying specifically the male gender. You guys tracking? Um, I think that's funny. I wish I could see a reel of that. Oh, a Ish came out of me the first time a woman had a baby. Um, but then there's times when the word man in the first couple chapters of, I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, other times that it's the word Adam that's translated either man or Adam. And again, this word has multiple, sometimes it's just referring to the person Adam. And sometimes it's just referring to mankind. And other times it's referring to both at the same time. You guys tracking? And so some examples of this Hebrew word that's translated man is in Genesis 1.27. So God created Adam, man, humankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. You can see there it was translated him and them, but that's actually the same Hebrew word there. It's more accurately translated, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Don't go to that one yet. Okay, so that was mankind. God created mankind. Then if you go to Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord God formed Adam. He, he literally formed Adam, the person, but he was also literally forming humankind. And so this is not Ish. This is Adam, with, which makes a difference. Last week, um, Eric did such a great job talking about the strengths of Adam. And as he was talking, he was saying, hey, I'm talking specifically about the male gender, but this applies to both male and female because God was created humankind and breathed the breath of life into humankind. So as a female reading this, that brings me great value because my source and my dependency is on God alone too, right? You guys tracking? And um, it, it didn't say, because it would be different if this was Ish. God breathed the breath of life into each, only the male gender. You guys tracking? But it doesn't say that. Um, even Genesis 2.15, go ahead and show Genesis 2.15, then the Lord God took the man Adam, who is Adam specifically, but also if you look at Genesis 1, it would make sense that it's a human race also, and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So yes, God put literally Adam in the, in the garden, but it didn't say Ish, just the male gender. And so we know from Genesis 1 that God told both Adam and Eve together to have dominion. And so yes, there is a, a certain headship within the husband-wife relationship, um, but it wasn't each in that scripture, which is interesting. Um, and then this one is the interesting one. Later on in Genesis, I mean, they're all interesting. This is um, the one I was talking about earlier, though. Genesis 5 to later on, a couple of chapters later, scripture says, male and female um, he, or male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam, which is the same Adam, which is sometimes translated Adam and sometimes translated man in the day that they were created. So 
This scripture is saying, oh, God calls both male and female Adam sometimes. You guys see that? And so this is just important as we're talking about the topic of Eve. Oftentimes, even when the word man or even Adam is being used, it's referring to the race of Adam. It's referring to humankind. You guys tracking? And that just helps clear things up as a female to know, okay, what's my role and what is God calling me to do? Because I am a part of the human race. I'm the female gender of the human race. But God says some things, a lot of things generally to humankind. You guys doing good? Um, so a lot of what we can see is there's not, there's differences between male and female, but we have a lot more in common than we have differences. Male and female both are dependent on the breath of life from God, right? Both male and female, he called to be blessed and to lead and have dominion on earth. Both man and woman, he gave um, power in our words to declare and to name. Does that make sense? And there is, when we get into the husband-wife marriage relationship, which we are going to do a series, we're so excited to do a series this fall on marriage, there is specific dynamics within the husband-wife relationship that we do see this headship, where there is this responsibility on the husband, apart from the wife, to protect and to lead within that relationship. You guys see that? But, but there's this team um, leadership thing that we see all throughout Genesis, Okay, so it matters. You guys tracking? And one other thing, as I was preparing, I was thinking an example would be, you know, we have three kids, Ella, Eli, and Ezra. Ella's our oldest. And so a lot of Genesis 2, we see God speaking directly to Adam and giving some responsibilities to. Well, Ella's our firstborn, and she got a lot of direct communication from us as parents. Hey, this is how we do things in the family, and this isn't how we do things in the family, and this is who you are, and this is who we are. And just because we told her first, because she was the first one created, doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to Ellen, Eli. Especially, Ezra, what did I say? Oh. <laughs> Eli, it's hard when you got all E's in your name. Yeah, but especially when I got to the third one. Like, Ezra heard a lot of it by hearsay. Like, Ella heard it real directly. But just because we told Ella first and just because she was a female doesn't mean that it only applies to her. No, it's, it's for the whole family of Giso. Does that make sense? Similar things could be said of um, God's interaction with Adam, especially since the word Adam was being used, general humanity. Yes, specifically Adam, but I think you guys are tracking with me. All right, should we get to Eve? I'm so excited to talk about Eve. So we're talking about Eve and Eve's place in the story. We've been talking about the story of creation and, and things are going good in the story of creation. Things are going flawlessly in the story of creation. God makes something and it's good and he makes another thing and it's good and he makes another thing and it's good and everything is good. And then he creates a garden and he makes Adam and it's good and it's flourishing and it's beautiful and everything is good. Capital G-O-O-D. But then the record starts to skip and then there's a problem and then the sun isn't shining as bright and we see the words in scripture, it is not good. Can you show it? Genesis 2.18, God said it is not good. Good. This is the first time in scripture that we are seeing something is not good. And seeing has not entered the scene yet. It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper, a companion. 
So the first thing that we can see about Eve is that it was not good without her. Number one, Eve makes it good. Eve makes it good. It wasn't good without her, and the fall had not even yet come. And this is so important. We're talking about Eve, but just like Eric said last week, it's good for both genders to understand and place value on one another. As fathers in the room, it's important to know God's value of women as you're speaking life over your daughters. As husbands, it's, husbands, it's important to know the value of your wife. As, as a male of any kind, it's important to know the value of the women in our life. And for so long, Eve has had a bad label. Oh, it's her fault. It'd be better if she wasn't there. Maybe we wouldn't have sin in the world. So many young and old women believe the lie that you're the problem. You're too complicated. You're too emotional. You're too much and not enough all at the same time. You're just a little, just a little less than Adam. And you're just a helper. You're replaceable. Someone else can help if you're not good enough. It'd be better if Eve was not made. But it wasn't good without her. She was actually the solution and not the problem. The truth of the matter is that Eve was the crescendo of God's creation. The story of creation builds from simple creations, light and water and vegetation, to more complex fish and beasts and then humankind. And the creation of Adam was amazing, but the race of Adam was not fully good without Eve. And this was before the fall. There was no sin in the world, but it was still not good without woman created. I sense with all my heart this morning that God wants men and women alike to know of God's immense approval, love, and releasing of women to fully step into all that God has for them. The truth of the matter is that Eve was the solution, not the problem. Eve made it good. Can everyone say amen? Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Proverbs 31.12, she brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. Amen. Number two thing that we can pull out of just that first scripture in Genesis 2.18 is that Eve is an essential partner an essential partner. Let's read it again in the Amplified. It says, now the Lord God said, it's not good, which is amazing that it wasn't good, even though sin had not entered the world yet. It wasn't good or beneficial for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, one who balances him, a counterpart who is suitable and complementary for him. And can I just be honest? That word helper, I had struggles with that word for a long time. Um, especially in my upper teens and lower and, and early 20s, as I was growing in the Lord and discovering, Lord, what is my identity? What is my purpose in you? I would bump up against that word helper, and I'd had lo lots of conversations with the Lord about it. Like, what's the deal with the word helper? Like, it sounds like paid help. It sounds like hired help. Or just not as, like, it sounds replaceable. It sounds like not as important. I just didn't like the word. It felt like I wasn't as valuable as Adam. Has any other woman been there before? I didn't like the word. 
And when you search the word helper on Google, you, this image pops up. Can you show the image? <laughs> and that's when I read helper in scripture, that's what I saw. And I just didn't want to be her. <laughs> right? And so it's actually good when you read scripture and you bump up against something that frustrates you, it's actually good because it causes you to dive deeper in scripture, right? And so I dove deeper into this word helper, like, God, what do you mean helper? Like, what does that even mean? And so the, the Hebrew word for helper is ezer, E-Z-E-R. And really a better translation of helper, of ezer, would be lifesaver, and if I ever translate a Bible, that will be the first scripture that I translate more correctly. <laughs> really, a, a more literal translation of Ezra would be lifesaver because it's not this casual helper like, oh, it'd be nice if she was there, but it's not a big deal if she wasn't there. It's like, no, like you wouldn't survive without her. And the only other time, and, and, and the phrase is actually Ezra Kenigdo a helper comparable. We'll talk about Kenigdo in a minute. But all the other times that um, Ezer is used in scripture, oftentimes it's referring to God, who is our help when we wouldn't make it without him. We are desperate for him. Or battle scenes where you would have died without the help of so-and-so. So a couple of examples of other places that Ezer is used is in Exodus 18. Oh, oh yeah, no, I'm going to show you the picture in a minute. Exodus 18, 4. The name of the other was Eleazar, God is help. For the God of my father said, Moses was my help, was my Ezer, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Like I would have died without his help, his life-saving help. Psalm 75 in the Amplified Translation, it says, this is referring to God, but I am poor and needy, hasten to me, O God, you are my help, you are my lifesaver, you are my Ezer, and my deliverer, O Lord, do not tarry. So it's more than this hired help. We're more than that image of the lady with the rake. Um, but, but in um, Genesis, it's Ezer Nigdo, which is a com uh, comparable, a helper comparable to come alongside. A helper that is just like you, but complementary to you. A lifesaver that is just like you to come alongside you, who is your equal, who is your, your counterpart. So the, the, um, the alongside shows the companionship and the friendship and the relationship that this lifesaver is going to have with Adam. And so truly a, um, a better image for Eve as the life-saving companion would be this one. So if you have troubles with that, someone to come alongside, to help, to be a support, equal, side-by-side, side, equal in their, you know, in their own unique strengths, to come alongside as a companion, as a life-saver relationship. Adam desperately needed a friend. None of us are, are good alone, right? Male nor female, a companion, an equal partner that has complementing strengths. So in, cre in the creation of humanity, both Adam and Eve are essential. If Adam is the flour, Eve is the yeast, and the bread does not bake without them both. If Adam is the sun, then Eve is the water, and the plant does not grow without them both. If Adam is the wood, then Eve is the nail, and the house cannot be built without them both. Eve was not an afterthought, hired helper. Humanity does not work without her. She's an essential partner. She is a lifesaver. Amen?
Another thing that we can pull out of scripture number three is that Eve was an equal partner. An equal partner. When God went to make Eve, he wanted to make sure that she was made of the same stuff as Adam. So scripture says God went to Adam's side to make a companion that was equal, that would be close and walk side by side. Eric shared this Bible commentary comment that was so powerful, I'll share it again this week. Talking of Eve, this Bible commentator said, she was not made out of his head to surpass him or out of his feet to be trampled on, but from his side to be equal, near his heart, near and dear to him, to come alongside him. The creation of Eve out of all of the creations is the most intimate and relational compared to all of the others to be made from the stuff of Adam. Genesis, let's read the creation of Eve. Genesis 2, 21 through 25 in the Amplified Classic. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs or a part of his side and closed up the place with flesh. I just want to keep this scripture up there. Uh, go, yeah, go back. Um, just want to mention, as uh, studying and reading commentaries, there's a common theme that most commentaries said that the actual Hebrew word used for rib, it might have not actually been a rib. It, the Hebrew word used is a little ambiguous. It means something from the side, and it could have been a rib, or it could have been cells, or it could have been DNA, like the first type of clone. But either way, it was something from his side, like a rib, but it could have been more like cells. Whatever it was, God made Eve from a part of Adam's side. Goes on, verse 22, in the rib or the part of the side which the Lord had taken from man, he built up and made into woman, and he brought her to the man. Then Adam said, Eric did this so great, I'm not going to be able to do the woe man thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, then Adam said, this creature is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woe man because she was taken out of a man. Therefore, a man, Ish, shall leave his father and mother and shall be united and cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the wife were both naked and, and they were not embarrassed or ashamed of each other's presence. So, so much of the, of the creation of Eve and her connection to Adam in this context is speaking of marriage, right? So much relational connection and the oneness that they have that they were made, that she was made from him. Such a unity, such a oneness, such a fused team. And so God created Eve from Adam's side, side to be equal to him, to be, come alongside him on the mission of life. Um, and that's just important to know. I want to take a look at a couple other scriptures that talk about this equality that God says, I want you both to be blessed. I want you both to lead and to have dominion together, right? Yes, within the husband-wife relationship, there is a dynamic of this protection that the husband should have over the wife and the accountability he has before the Lord, right, to lead in the family relationship, but in general, on humanity, God wants them operating together as a team. And you see that in a couple of different scriptures all throughout, but I'll mention a couple in the New Testament. Galatians 3, 28 through 29 says, There is no longer Jew and Gentile or slave and free or even male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham, and you are his heirs. Both male and female are 
heirs together, right? And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you both, male and female. 1 Peter 3, 7 in the NLT says, In the same way you husbands give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, we'll talk about that in a minute, but, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers would not be hindered. Sometimes people twist the scripture and say, see, Eve is just a little less than Adam. But that scripture is just talking about Adam can bench press more than Eve. She's weaker. Statistically, males, the male gender is five and a half inches taller than the average female. In general, men are 29 pounds heavier. In general, men have two inches more on their waist. They're stronger physically. It's not talking about value there, right? And it says you're, she's your equal partner. I love how the New King James says this translation. Um, give honor to your wife as the weaker. It's just She's not as strong physically as you because you were form follows function, right? So God created the form of Adam to be stronger, to be a protector, right? God created Eve to be able to bear life within her and to be able to feed their child for the first, you know, months up to a year on her own. And so the scripture in the New King James, it says that you're heirs together. There's this togetherness of Adam and Eve. Amen? And lastly, Acts 2, 17, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, both men, both your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Amen? I'll close with this. Um, lastly, as we study the book of Genesis, we can see that Eve is influential. We can see Eve was influential in Adam's life. Her voice and her presence carried weight on earth. And here's the deal, you know, Eric shared some things last week. Sometimes our greatest strength can also be our greatest weakness. And so Eve's influence and her voice can carry great good or it can carry great evil. In Genesis 3, 6, we see the fall of both Adam and Eve's leadership. Let's read it. It says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good and suitable, um, and pleasant for food and that it was delightful to look at a tree to be desired in order to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she gave to her husband who was also you know who ate and who was also with her so Eric talked about the fall of leadership there with Adam he should have been protecting he should have been doing something in that moment but Eve should have been using her voice and her life-saving influence for better good in that moment too right and so you know I've been around church and ministry long enough that I've heard numerous ministers, male ministers over the years, mention how oftentimes the voice of God can sound a lot like their wife's voice, which is in, in a healthy way. There's something, there's something about a woman sometimes has a, a keener um, sensitivity to the voice of God, especially concerning things of the family and kids and different things like that. And her voice of influence um, is great good when used in that kind of a way, right? But there's other ways that Eve can use her beauty or her, her influence in a way that is not good or beneficial. So as women, we need to be aware that we have influence, our voice has influence, and we need to use it for the good. Amen? So Eve... 
you make it good. You're not the problem. You are the solution. It wasn't good without you. You're an essential partner. You're an equal partner, and you are influential. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. And God, we thank you that in your great design, you created humanity in your image, both male and female. And in the toxicness of what culture can say is male and female or what it all looks like, Lord, you value both equally. You empower and you release both equally. You love both equally. And so, Lord, we um, thank you for your word that is truth. And, Father, I just pray that you would elevate the value of women. Lord, in this house, in this church community, that the woman is not a little lesser. She was an equal co-heir of the promises of God. May the daughters of this house grow up with an empowering language spoken over them. May, may women and men both cheerlead one another, empower one another, be a team together for your kingdom's cause. Lord, hear it alive throughout Livingston County and the world. Lord, we thank you for the value and the strengths that you have put on both of the genders. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed them both and, and empowered them both. So God, I thank you for a releasing power, a weight and the lies to be dismissed that says anything contrary to the value that you speak over both men and women. Lord, we thank you for the gift of humanity. We thank you for the gift of the genders that you created. Lord, help us fully walk in the fullness that you have designed us to. Lord, we love you so much. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we